Bless the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yes. It's God's will that every need would be supplied. So he placed us in the body. And we are to have the same care, a fervent care, one for another. We need each other. We need each other. Hallelujah. And not just those of us who come to the same church. But in this life, we need each other. I think it was Rudyard Kipling that wrote the poem, No Man is an Island. Yeah. You can't live in this world alone. Amen. sooner we learn that, the better off we will be as a people, as a nation of people. It's one thing to write on the money, one nation under God. But it's a different thing to live it out. So we still have work to do, saints. We have work to do. In Acts chapter 10, Verse 19, we, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to have you come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guest. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. Uh, I have a thought for you today, a question for you to think about. Who is the Cornelius waiting on you. Who is the Cornelius waiting on you? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. And I thank you, Lord, that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Grant now a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing and through your anointing. We know the yokes will be destroyed. Burdens will be removed. 
Have your way now. Speak, Lord, for your servants here. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, who is the Cornelius waiting on you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One of the things that we see as, as we study these first 10 chapters of Acts is that God does actually move in unique and mysterious ways. Ways that are beyond human understanding and human orchestration. But it's all to bring about his will and his good pleasure in this world that we live in and, and to fulfill his divine plan. Whatever God is doing is to fulfill his divine plan. Uh, I believe that anyone who reads and understands scripture will honestly say that, that we can never figure God out. Nor can we put God in a box. He's truly the almighty God. He's truly the most high God. He's truly the sovereign God. Yeah, and the most important thing for any of us to do is to be available to him. Yeah, to be available to him so that he can include us in what he's doing in the world around us while we are alive. That, that, that's the most important thing that any of us can do. I, I realize that, that some people don't think that's important uh, because sometimes we get caught up in doing our own thing. We, we, we don't see God as being important in our lives. We think that, you know, well, later on, sometimes when you're young, you think, well, later on, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think about God. But the most important thing that you can do in your life is to include, um, um, is to be available to him so that he can include you in what he's doing in the world around you while you're alive. Because he can't include you once you're dead. Amen? Not in what he's doing on this side. Now, he can include you on the other side. But in what he's doing on this side. And this side is important for us while we are living. It's critical that we not only grasp what God is doing in our personal lives, but uh, that we are intricately involved and what he's doing in the world that we live in, in the here and now. So I should never be only concerned about what he's doing in my life. I got to be concerned in what, about what he's doing in the world around me because I want to be involved in what God is doing in the world around me that I live in. Why is this so critical? Well, <clears throat> as you may or may not know, uh, we've been created in the image and the likeness of God with divine purpose and destiny tied up in us. It's all in our DNA. We have destiny tied up in us uh, for the praise of God's glory. Amen. Everybody say, I've been created for the praise of God's glory. Now, 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 when you think about that and you stop and you look at your actions sometime, you have to ask yourself, 
do my actions bring praise and glory to God? Because that's what I've been created for. Destiny is all wrapped up inside of me, but, but everything that I've been destined for is for the praise and the glory of God. Amen. Everything, everything I've been destined for. I don't care what it is that I have a passion for, it's been given to me for the praise and the glory of God. So if I have a passion for, for making concrete blocks, it's for the praise and the glory of God. It's not just so I can make money off of it. Are you understanding me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so when we think about this and, and think about being intricately involved in what God is doing in the world around us, if we're intricately involved with God, then we're automatically going to live out our destiny. I'll say it again. If you are intricately involved with God, then you're automatically going to live out your destiny. Because that's what God created you for. He created you with destiny. And, and, and so if you, if you are wrapped up in God, I'm not talking about spending 24-7 fasting and praying. All right, a 24-7 in the church house. But I'm talking about a personal relationship with God where you're spending time with him and you are aware of what God is doing in this world around you and you are involved in what God is doing, then automatically you're going to live out your destiny. Automatically. It's just going to happen. It's just going to happen. You're going to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength. And in the process of your spiritual growth, you're going to walk into destiny and you're going to live out your destiny. You don't have to go searching for it. You don't have to spend, uh, you don't have to turn your plate down and fast and pray for 40 days. All you got to do is be walking with God and intricately involved in what God is doing in the world around you, and you're automatically going to begin to live out your destiny. I mean, it's just going to come. Yes, it is. Just like when you turn on the faucet and, and it is hooked up to the water source, water is going to come out. That's just how easy it is. Sometimes people are just spending so much time, wasting time trying to figure out what they've been created for when they ought to be spending time involved in what God is doing in the world around them. Are y'all listening? And saints, we will do it in the midst. We will live out our destinies in the midst of the attempts of Satan to steal, kill, and to destroy us. When you are intricately involved with God and what God is doing in this world, it does not mean that you will not experience spiritual warfare. As a matter of fact, you will experience spiritual warfare. Jesus said you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. So he, he lets you know that, 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 that persecution is going to come upon you because you follow me. Because you love me, amen. So if you're intricately involved in what God is doing in the world, you're living out your destiny in the midst of the attacks of the enemy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The devil will come and attack you and you just keep on going in the name of Jesus. 
Because God, God caused us to triumph always in Christ Jesus. Oh, yeah, the attacks will come, but you got the victory. Are you understanding me? I said the attacks will come, but you have the victory. So you don't focus on the attacks. You don't spend your days thinking about the devil is on your back. You don't spend your days thinking about how the devil is, is beating you up on one side and down the other. You spend your days with your eyes focused on the Lord, living in victory, doing the work and the will of God while you're living out your destiny. Oh, yes. Yes. Because in the midst of the things that the devil does, God will take the tricks of the devil and turn them into a blessing. I don't know how many of you all know that and believe that, but I've experienced it in my life. God will take what the devil meant for evil and God will make it good. Yes. You know, it's, and I think I said this earlier, it's interesting that, that we've been following the series A.D. And, and we've been seeing, we've been getting a picture, and I watch it tonight, and they're, they're going to say some things tonight that's not according to Scripture. So, but watch it tonight. They said something every week that's not according to Scripture. So you've got to read the Scriptures. Read, read Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48. Read, read this this, I think is the entire 10th chapter of, of Acts, and that's what it's going to focus on tonight. But we've been getting a, a picture of, of the attack, well, we've been getting a picture of the early church, the birth of the church, the growth of the church, but also the attacks of the enemy. And we've been seeing how God has moved in the midst of the church being attacked. Because you can't kick against the prick. You can't fight against God and win. You may have some successes, Satan, but you're not going to win. The, the war is already won. You may win some battles, but the war is already won. You don't believe it, go and read the book of Revelation. Yeah, we know the end of the story. Hallelujah. But when you, when, what, what we begin to see is, you know, you, you, you look at Saul. I'm getting to Cornelius, but I got I to gotta get there. You, you look at Saul, and, and, and Saul is seen as one, uh, you know, uh, who, who he makes it his mission to destroy the church. I mean, we meet him when Stephen is being stoned to death for preaching Jesus Christ. And, 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 and the Bible says that they lay their coats at the feet of one called Saul. And after Stephen is stoned to death, Saul takes it upon himself to go out and to take captive other Christians. Many of them are killed. And the Bible says that he is destroying the church. But God had another plan for Saul. Hallelujah. When he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's converted and he becomes one of the greatest followers of Jesus Christ. He becomes one of the greatest missionaries to ever live apart from Jesus Christ. Saul does. Saul does. He begins to live out his destiny. God even says, when he tells Ananias that, that about Saul, God says that, that I've chosen this one. And he's going to preach the gospel to the, 
to the Israelites and to their kings and to the, to the Gentiles and to their kings. After he's converted, Saul, Saul. Now, in the midst of all of this, it's happening. Peter and the others are not idle. They're the disciples. Y'all following me? Y'all still in the house? You're not too cold. You're all right. You're awake. Praise the Lord. Peter and the other disciples, they're not idle. They continue to be used by God and to spread the gospel. But primarily, they're spreading the gospel among the Jews. That's what they're doing. Whether it be uh, the purebreds, if you will, in Jerusalem, or whether it be Jews of the diaspora around Samaria and other places, they are primary, they're still spreading the gospel. They are available to God, excuse me, and, and, are, and are used greatly by God. But God's message is not just for the Jews. His message is not, is not just for the Jews. Jesus Christ did not come into this world for one nationality of people. All right? God's heart has always been for the nations. Amen. God's heart has always been for people groups throughout the world. We have to remember that the Bible doesn't start with Abraham and Isaac or Abraham and Sarah. The Bible starts with God, Adam, and Eve. That's where the Bible starts. It doesn't start with Abraham and Sarah. It starts with God, Adam, and Eve. When you get to the fifth chapter of Genesis, God gives us a table of nations. Sometimes we read that just as a genealogy of Adam and Eve. But God is showing that, 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 that I'm concerned about the peoples that I've created. All right? Yeah. So we see in, even that in the fifth chapter of, of, of Genesis. But go to the book of Revelations. And in the book of Revelations, God gives John a vision of the last days and the end times where the saints of God are receiving the seal of the living God on their foreheads by the angel of God. And at first in this vision, John sees 144,000. You know, Jehovah's Witnesses hone in on that 144,000. They say that only 144,000 are going to heaven. Well, those that are living today, I guess they ain't going. That's just real stupid. That just it doesn't make sense. Because 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses have already died. But they're still holding on to that false doctrine, that false teaching. Say, so you got to know what you believe. You, you got to know your doctrine. You got to know your Bible, saints, because if you don't know your Bible, you're going to have some Jehovah's Witnesses. You're going to have some, some Seventh-day Adventists. You're going to have some... Uh, 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 Latter-day Saints folk up in your house trying to teach you Bible. You better know what you believe. But anyway, so in the first vision, he sees the 144,000. But then he sees another vision, and in that, well, let me say the 144,000 is of, of, of the 12 tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each one of the tribes. 
Okay, but in the other vision he sees, he sees a great multitude, a number that nobody could count. Glory to God. From every nation, from every race, from every people and every tongue. The King James reads it like this. He says, as he asks about these people, uh, as they ask him, John, about these people, and, and John says, you know, he said, and, 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 and the angel says, these are they, or the, the elders say, these are they that have come out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Now, now there's a message even in that right there. Let me read it again. These are they that have come out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, my goodness. And I read that thing that, that jumped in my spirit that we, we got to wash our robes. They've washed their robes and made them white, glory to God, in the blood of the Lamb. You've got to clean your life up. You've got to clean your life up. And the only way to do it is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. His shed blood was not only to give you life. Yes, life is in the blood. But it's also to purge your conscience from dead works. Sometimes in the church we don't get that. And we wonder why we can't change. Because our consciences have not been purged from dead works. Let me tell you something. Church membership does not save you. Church membership does not save you. Baptism does not cleanse you. You might be in the earthly club, the visible church, but to be included in the spiritual church, the invisible body of Christ, you've got to come through faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And when you trust in the finished work of Christ on Calvary, you can't remain the same. can't remain the same. I don't understand. I was talking with one of my cousins yesterday and she was trying to get, and I didn't want to get in an argument with her, so I didn't say anything. I didn't let her talk. Because the Lord going to let me see her again. But um, she was, they, you know, she's Presbyterian and they're dealing with this whole issue of gay marriage. And she said, well, who am I to judge? You know, and this is, the, this is the concept that a lot of people have. And, and, and not, we're not to be judgmental on people, but we're to preach the gospel. And, 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 and anybody that comes, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You know, so, so, so that which is born of flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So, so, so yes, you may have been born and, and in your environment you might have been influenced to do things and you may have become and begun to practice things that, that don't glorify God, but, but once you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot remain the same. Whether it's fornication, whether it's drinking liquor, whether it's gambling, Whatever it is, the Lord requires us to change. They washed their robes. They made them white. Are you understanding what I'm saying, saints? And let me tell you what you can't do. 
You cannot judge yourself by other people in the church. You can't look at people that you'll find in the church who are doing things that are wrong and say, well, that person is doing this and that person is doing that, so why do I have to change? I am not your standard. No brother or sister in this church is your standard. The Lord Jesus Christ is your standard. That's why you got to change. He calls all of us to change. Hallelujah. Ooh. Yeah, so no, 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 no. No, we're not to judge. I mean, you know, we just preach the gospel. What's the use of two men getting married? You can rub all day long and you ain't going to have no baby. I don't mean any harm. I didn't say it to be funny. But they think they're laws of nature. Women the same way. They don't need you to get married. I mean, just be friends. I mean, but, you know, but even if, it's in, if, 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 the, if the laws pass and, and folk can get married, you can't bring it in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and say this is right. Because it's not God's way. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto a wife. A wife is a woman and the two shall become one flesh. And God said be fruitful and multiply. That's why I said two women cannot multiply. Two men cannot multiply. You can't do it. You can't do it. And we have to be very careful that we don't buy into something that's going to cut us off from the kingdom of God. The point of all of this is, is that God's heart is to bring all people to him. God's heart is to bring all peoples to him. And I say peoples, people groups. The gospel is going to be preached. The gospel is going to be preached to all people groups before the end of time will come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, excuse me, and God will use any means necessary. Listen now, listen now. And this is what the church has to deal with because we don't like suffering. We do not think that people in America should suffer. We think that we're the greatest nation in the world and that we should be protected and that nothing should happen to us. In our personal lives, we don't want to suffer. When people start suffering, when people get a toe ache, You, can, you understand what I'm saying. We, we just don't like suffering. Sometimes I'm sitting back, and I said this with you all a while ago, I, uh, when I used to watch um, The Unit, and it, it doesn't come on anymore, but I would watch how those guys are trained to endure pain. And I'd be saying to myself, Lord, I want to know how to, I want to learn how to endure pain because we're so accustomed to when the first little ache comes, go and get a Tylenol or a leave, an ibuprofen, because we don't want pain. 
And, I, and I, I'm praying, God, even today, you know, I got a problem with my thumb. And, and so the other day I looked online and said, let me find some exercises because I don't like taking medicine. So, you know, let me find some exercises because I'm going to work this thing out. You know, sometimes my back start hurting and I'll get up and go walking. I'll, I'll walk this out, you know, because I realize that sometimes it's either a trick of the enemy or maybe I slept the wrong way, I turned the wrong way. So, you know, in the midst of the pain, I know everybody can't do it. It depends on certain situations, certain circumstances. But, but, but I'm, I'm praying God help me to be able to endure pain because I don't know what's going to happen to me in my life, you know. I don't, I don't know, I can't determine that, that there won't be a situation where I'm put in where I may have to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I don't want to be so scared of pain that, 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 that I renounce Jesus. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Because the people are torturing you, they may not kill you, they may torture you. I know this is totally, this is far off from the American church. But Christians in other nations are being tormented. They're being persecuted every day we live. God will use any means necessary. Somebody say any means necessary. To reach people for him. Even if he has to take the tricks of the enemy to do it. Saul persecuted the church. He was the one that persecuted the church. People died. People lost everything that they had. Because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What if God took this incident that took place in Charleston, South Carolina to bring about great racial healing and reconciliation among believers in the United States of America? The church, it has been said, is a sleeping giant. The church is a sleeping giant and we are disconnected When I ministered for, for, for Easter, uh, was it Easter? Yeah, at, at First Presbyterian Church. Uh, and I talked about how we go to our church, and, and, and I'll say it again now, I don't have a problem with, with us worshiping as black people because I want to holler sometime. <laughs> I want to run sometime. You know, I don't have a problem with us worshiping in our own style. Because some people think that that's crazy. Well, and then you go and you be in your quiet service. And I don't have a problem with you being quiet. And this is where we have to be. You know, I'm not going to condemn you. I, I tease with one of my friends. I said, before Jesus wakes up, y'all in church it out. But I know. <laughs> but I know the Lord neither slumbers nor sleeps. You know, I'm just teasing. But. But I, I don't discriminate. I'm not going to talk about, you know, that, you know, those choir folk over there, they ain't got no Holy Ghost. You know how sometimes we'll say because we, we like to run. I don't have a problem with, with us worshiping separately. Now, you know, as long as, long as we're not discriminating, so you can't come to our worship. If you like to run, if you like loud music, 
If you like to dance, come on over and let's run and dance together. But at the same time, our mentality has to be, our spirituality has to be that we are one in Jesus Christ. And we stand together as one in Jesus Christ. What if God, what if God, you know, we've been, we, the, 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 the NACP led the move of taking the Confederate flag down from the courthouse uh, off, the, off the state house grounds. Well, now, folks are saying, take it down. Jeb Bush said, take it down. Put it in a museum like we did in Florida. You know, sometimes we waste a whole lot of time when we need to learn how to wait on God. Young people, are y'all listening to me? Teenagers, listen to me good because you will learn this because sometimes you want it done right here, right now, and, and sometimes we get involved in pushing when we need to wait on, we have to have, the, sometimes we need to push, but sometimes we need to learn to wait on God. We, gotta, we have to discern. I'm not saying that there's never time to push. Sometimes you have to push. Read Ecclesiastes. Just read it. There's a time and a purpose for everything under the heaven. What if God uses this avenue, this is an avenue to open the door for the gospel to be preached to Muslims, to Buddhists, to Hindus, and to other unbelievers? I heard a lady on television say uh, she was mad about what happened, and I can understand. And she said, this ain't no time for kumbaya. And I know she was, she was aiming at the church. But what she doesn't understand is that we are the salt of the earth. If God did not use us as salt in the earth, then he would have wiped her and everybody else off. He's given her a time to come to repentance. Do you know who you are? What if God, he's sovereign, y'all. He's sovereign. In any warfare, there are going to be casualties. Are you understanding? Yes, people will hurt. Yes, people will cry. But it is a fact of life that in warfare, there are going to be tragedies. It was a tragedy that these nine people were killed. Their families are hurting. But we're, we're the saints of God. Do you not think that Stephen's family was hurting when he was stoned to death? Do you think that people that are killed every day for the cause of Jesus Christ, their families are hurting? Are we any better than them? Are we any better than them? We can put security. I, I, I was thinking, I said, now, I'm going to give Delmar something to do. I see him sitting back there today. <laughs> give him something to do. Bring your karate experience in here. Train up a security force. But, 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 but the Lord began to show me that, that we cannot get so afraid that we become like folk. After 9-11, my first airplane flight, I started looking at folk that looked like they were... Are you understanding me? God says you can't get so afraid 
that you begin to close yourself off from people because I am still in charge. I am still sovereign. I still sit on the throne. And when you look at the early church, and when you look at the spread of the early church, it spread rapidly because people were killed for their faith. Something about death. When you look at the civil rights movement, what began to break the hearts and soften the hearts of people in charge? When those people were on that, on that bridge and they released dogs and beat them with bats and batons and turn on the water hoses on them and it was on national television. That was a great outcry. I want you to remember, saints, that there was always, there's always a bigger picture. There's something that they put on television, the family saying to that young man, I forgive you. I forgive you. It's something that's on television. I was watching BBC. It wasn't just on ABC and NBC. It was on BBC. It might have been on Al Jazeera. The, oh Lord have mercy. You're not understanding. It's on the world wide web. God is concerned about all nations and God has a way to get to all nations. The end will not come until the gospel of the kingdom is preached to all nations. When they say I forgive, that's the gospel, y'all. They didn't have to take a text. That was the gospel being preached. In the midst of that suffering, when they said, in the midst of that pain, in the midst of that hurt, when they said I forgive you. That's the gospel. Since God didn't finish yet. God is not finished yet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he can do things in a way that we never can. We've been praying and we've been praying and we've been crying and people have suffered, people have died and things have been taken away from our people. But God can do things in a way that we never can. Hallelujah. If we are available to him, let's be available to God, saints. I always want to be available to God. In our text for today, it took me a long time to get here. But in our text for today, we see God using Peter again to spread the good news. This is a unique situation because God uses visions and angels to bring this about. And he does it with both men involved. He includes Peter and he includes Cornelius. Both of them have visions and both of them are visited by angels. The all important point of all of this, hallelujah, uh, was the plan and the purposes of God being fulfilled. Somebody say, the plans and purposes of God must be fulfilled. Don't forget that now. Don't forget that. I think it was Elder Hoskins who said, we place a greater value on human life than God does. Somebody said that not too long ago. That's why we don't want nobody to go. We want everybody to stay here. We want everybody to stay. 
We don't want nobody to go. If it were left up to us, our great, 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 grandparents would still be here. They'd be wanting to go, and we'd be holding on to them. Don't go. It's not that God does not love us, but God has a plan and a purpose that has to be fulfilled. And, and we don't know what way we're going to go. Could God have intervened the other day? Did not God know this man? There is nothing that is hidden from the eyes of God. God could have intervened. But there, I tell you, I believe it, I'll stand on it. There's a greater purpose in this. There's a greater purpose in this. Oh, there's a greater purpose in this. What if you have to die for the gospel? There's a greater purpose in your death. Y'all listen now. We are are Christians. There's no need to debate this. There's no need for you in your mind debating this and and, and, and listening to the the president of the NACP and listening to folks in the community and listen, you are a believer. If you are not a believer, if you are not sold out to God, then there's something wrong when you've been professing to be sold out for God and you cannot understand from, from, from what you know, from what you've been taught, that there is a bigger picture. <sighs> yeah. So God's purposes had to be fulfilled in all of this. God is strategically, listen now, when, 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 when God is, Cornelius, Cornelius is a Roman. Cornelius is a Gentile. He is not a Jewish convert. All right? He is a Gentile. He don't have any Jewish blood in him. God is strategically preparing to send the gospel to the Gentiles strategically. Strategically. He's a strategic God. That's why it's not by accident that y'all sitting in here this morning listening to this message. Now, granted, God intended for some other folk to be here. Some people land at home in their beds and God intended for them to be here. But that's on them. God ain't going to visit them at their house and give them this message. And they're not going to receive it even on the, on the, on the, on the, on the CD. It's the way you receive it when you're sitting here listening. You're going to listen, and you still need to get the CD and listen to it again. All right? But he is strategically, somebody said strategically. He's a, he's a strategic God. Look at your life. Look at your life. Look at where you come to. Look at where you are now. Yeah, you, you might have gone around Robin Hood's bond to get to where you are, but God brought you. God's got you where he's got you. And he's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with, stop running from God. Stop running from God. This is a word for somebody in here today. Stop running from God. You will find yourself in the belly of a whale. Stop running from God. 
Because you keep running. God will put the fish there to grab you up. You think that fish just happened to show up for Jonah? God did it. Stop running from him. Yeah. So now with Cornelius, the Gentiles are about to hear the gospel. Are you glad? That, uh, is anybody glad that the Gentiles heard the gospel? <laughs> because you and I will be Gentiles. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They're about to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel to them will be undergirded for them. Hallelujah. Uh, and, and, and to them, uh, and even to their Jewish counterparts, by them experiencing the infilling of the Holy Spirit as the disciples did on the day of Pentecost. The Gentiles, you know, people sing that song, they want another Pentecost. I tell you, there ain't no more Pentecost coming. But the Gentiles, that day in Cornelius' house, experienced Pentecost, just like the Jews did in Jerusalem. It had to be so. Peter didn't lay hands on them. Peter didn't even finish preaching. In the midst of the sermon, the Holy Ghost came in and filled them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All they, all they were doing was hearing the gospel. They believed, they were ready, and it was God's time to open up the gospel to the entire world. Now, Saints Cornelius is the vessel of God uh, for the way into the, for the entryway into the Gentile world. So God prepares Cornelius' heart and mind. God gets Cornelius ready for the gospel. As I said, he's a centurion, he's a Roman, he's a Gentile. He's someone that Jews would not even associate with. That's why Peter, God had to show Peter this vision. I know I didn't read the whole thing and didn't tell it to you in chronological order. But God had to show Peter this vision. A sheep coming down out of heaven with all manner of four-footed animals. Now, you know, this wouldn't make too much difference for black folk because y'all been eating pork and still want to you know, eat pork. Some of y'all got some pork in your freezer right now. You're preparing to go home and cook some. So, but for a Jewish person, now pork wasn't the only thing that was in the sheep. It was all manner of things that Jewish people would call common and unclean. In the vision, in the vision, God says to Peter, Arise, Peter, slaughter this and eat it. Peter said, Oh no, 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 no. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. I mean, he was a good Jew as far as dietary laws go. Like some of us are good Christians as far as tithes and offering go and coming to church. We're kind of rough when it comes to getting along with people. We're kind of rough when it comes to living holy. Ooh. Yeah. But, but he was a good Jew. Yeah. I never. And this happened three times. And God said, what I've cleaned, don't you call common and unclean. And about that time, there was a knock at the door. I told you God is strategic. 
And these men that, 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 that had come from Cornelius, and Cornelius had had a vision. And, and, and in the vision, if you read it, you see God says to Cornelius that Simon, you got to send for Simon. He's staying at Simon the Tanner's house down by the seashore. Whew. Will God be that specific today? He sure will. God can be that specific. I rem you remember me telling you about something as simple as when I was in Malawi that time and I lost my cell phone and, and I looked and looked and looked for it and couldn't find it and I called and asked, asked they had gone with him, asked Junior if he'd taken it home with, with him. He said, no, I didn't take it. And so I, the, the Holy Spirit said, go to bed. And I went to bed and the Lord woke me up at three o'clock in the morning and said, look under the mattress. And I lifted the mattress and I didn't see anything and put, and put it back down. And as clear as day, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, no, look under the mattress, lift the mattress. When I lifted the mattress, my cell phone was in the middle of the bed between the mattress and the box spring. God will speak that clearly today if we will listen to him. There are times I'm looking for stuff now, I'll stop and I say, Holy Spirit, show it to me. Yeah. So, 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 so God, God, God speaks to these men in miraculous ways, but that's the way God does. He was preparing both of them for what had to take place because Peter would not have gone to his house. Matter of fact, later on, when you read the whole story, when it comes up when Peter's around his compatriots, his Jewish compatriots, and, 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 uh, and uh, this was an incident where he had been eating with some of the Gentiles and then he wanted to back away. And Paul had to rebuke him openly for what he did. You know? Whew. But anyway, let me go on and finish this message this morning. So he's someone that, that Peter and, 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 none of the and all of the rest would have shunned but he is God's chosen vessel to open those who were carriers of the gospel message to the world, to a world of people who were shut off from the good news. Cornelius is the one God uses, and Peter is the one God uses. Now, I can't apply uh, this too broadly for us today, and I know that you, you and I, as I already said, uh, we are Gentiles, and we are now already included in the plan of God. However, the Lord impressed this message upon me because there are some others that he has prepared to hear and receive the gospel message. There are people that the church is shining who need to hear and receive the gospel message. There are those that the church is looking down on who need to hear and receive the gospel message. There are people in your walk, in your life, that you're walking away from, that you're shunning, who need to hear the gospel message. There are other Corneliuses today who God is preparing to hear the message of the kingdom. And while God is... Well, and, and all the while, God is also preparing you to go to them. Who is the Cornelius that's waiting on you? 
Who has the sovereign God been impressing upon your heart to minister to? Who? Who? Remember, God does things strategically. Oh, yes, he does. He does things strategically. All oh, that we would hear and obey his voice. Obey his promptings. Obey his, his leading. Sometimes it's a gentle prompting of the Holy Ghost saying, go to that house. Go to that person. Say something to that one. You're in the grocery store, and the Holy Ghost says, say something to that one. And you say, not me. Who am I to talk to that person? But God has already gone before you. The reason he's prompting you, the reason he's leading you, is that he has prepared the heart and the mind of that Cornelius to receive you. And that Cornelius is an open door to some other people. I'm going to hit you with three things and I'm done. Where my back? The all-important thing in this is hearing God. Remember, Cornelius is a God-fearing man. Cornelius is praying. Peter is a God-fearing man. Peter is prayerfully doing the work of God. If we're going to hear God, we got to seek God. You got to spend time in the presence of God. You got to turn your television off sometime. You got to turn your cell phone off. You got to stop. I notice some young people that are getting texts all of the time. I'll just text. Sometimes I wonder how many text messages, how many text messages y'all get a day? Who wants to tell me? How many thousand? <laughs> Sometimes you got to turn your cell phone off. And you got to turn your attention to God. You're seeking an education. You're seeking to be liked by people. You're seeking a job. You're seeking this. You're seeking that. You want to be in the know. You got to seek God. You got to give God some attention in your life. Then you got to continue to be open to the Holy Spirit so that you can keep learning of God. Cornelius could have had the vision and could have said, okay, I don't know what God is doing, so whatever. But he does what God says do. And he sends for Peter. And he says to Peter, now that you're here, tell us the things. Tell us what God wants us to hear. I may not be quoting it like the Bible, but I don't know how many of you have been in situations. I was in a situation the other day. Somebody said, okay, then, uh, you know, uh, tell us. They didn't say tell us specific, tell me specifically, but they left it open to, Essence, in essence, what is God saying? Now, if I'd not been in tune with God, I couldn't hear the voice of God and begin to speak to that situation. So I have to keep myself in the presence of God. I have to keep learning. 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 I have to keep. Are you hearing me? I mean, I'm a pastor for 30 years. Eight years, I have a master's degree in, 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 uh, in uh, theology, 
I've done almost completed my doctoral work. But I have to keep learning. I have to keep learning. I have to keep learning so that I can be used by God. Now, I wonder what some of y'all are doing. I really do. I'll just be wondering. I, I do. I sometimes I just I wonder. Sometimes you're in Bible study and I ask some of the questions I ask when I'm teaching because I want to know what you know. Because I'm, I'm like, by now, when I ask a question, it should just shoot it out. But if I've got to keep learning, the people who are, who are, who are, teaching in the seminaries who already have PhDs and some of them two and three PhDs, if they keep studying so that they can keep learning, what about you? Maybe you ought to sign up for a Bible, online Bible class. Well, let's start by coming to Bible study on a regular basis. <laughs> Let that be the start. Just an hour on Wednesday night. I mean, just. <laughs> and the last thing you've got to do, and I, I, I'm, I'm done, and I pray that this message has blessed you. We have to get out of God's way. When you read the end part of this text, when, when, Simon has, when Peter has to go back to Jerusalem, because the church in Jerusalem heard that the Gentiles, that Peter had gone to the Gentiles, those brothers, those other uh, Jewish folk in Jerusalem who always thought that the Gentiles were common and unclean. And Peter had gone to them and preached the gospel. They wanted to know why you did it. And Peter explained to them what happened. And he said, in essence, who was I to stand in God's way? And what we have to learn to do in the church is, in order for people to get saved, we've got to get out of the way. Of course, God wants to use us, but when... And, and he will use us, but sometimes because, because we have certain things that we've, walls that we put up and certain ways that we think things ought to be, we got to get out of the way. I said something in Bible study the other night. You cannot clean fish in water. You got to catch it. You got to get it out of the water. And if we're not careful, we'll put up barriers to stop people from getting to the church so they can hear the gospel. Now, when they hear the gospel, they're either going to accept it or reject it. We must speak the truth in love. It's on them if they reject the gospel. But we can't block people and this is going to be a challenge for the church in the 21st century and beyond. It's always the gospel message. 
when you believe the gospel and you give your life to Jesus and you yield to the Holy Ghost, change will come in your life. But change is not going to come outside of Jesus Christ. And this message today is speaking to us collectively and individually. Cornelius is waiting on us. Whether we are those who are faithfully attending worship and love the Lord, there are some, there are some Corneliuses waiting on us. Whether those, we're the, a part of that group that, you, know, you know, this is not just our thing right now. I want you to know that there are some Corneliuses waiting on you. Your decisions, your decisions about life and about God is going to cause some people to be lost. Some people to be missed. Some of you sitting in here, you know the truth. But yet you choose to reject it. Because you say that you're not ready yet. Or you have some issue with somebody in the church. Do you have an issue with the Lord of the church? Let's stand.